one, and we're live. You're tuning in to Cosmic Children. I'm your host, Kevin. And today I have a very interesting individual in the studio with me. I find it difficult to summarize the work that you do and the craft that you have. Could you please introduce yourself? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm Xue. Uh, I'm a performance artist and a buto dancer. Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> I did know that. But so this art form, buto, could you please uh, tell me it, in your own words, what is it? Because I find it to be very mystical. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, probably from the aesthetics of it, right? That's that's one aspect. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, buto for like, I think the layman is essentially like a Japanese like post-war uh, like avant-garde sort of like movement art form. So it came out of like World War II and uh, I'm not a Bhutto historian, just like an enthusiast. So uh, yeah, I hope I'm going to get all of this right. Um, but yeah, it's something that came out of the war, like post-World War. Um, and I think the founders were looking for a way to sort of express like the horrors of war through the body because of this like sort of uh, inadequacy of language, I think, to really like express some of these like uh, unmentionable things. And it's funny when I walked in, you already like mentioned war. <laughs> so sign of the uh, times. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I think a lot of it comes from sort of this impulse to uh, use the body as like a powerful tool for expression and communication uh something that kind of transcends language um so there are like two founders in buto so there's like tatsumi hijikata and um kazuo ono so they're both kind of like i don't want to say that they're like binaries but they're sort of two sides of the same coin mm. so tatsumi hijikata was like much more specific in terms of the way that he crafted Buto, like he had like specific like notation and things that would lead to certain types of gestures. Whereas like Kazuo Ono was more like dance of your soul uh, and your spirit. And it was a lot more like free form. Mm. Um, but both of them uh, started collaborating together in like early days of Buto. And then after that, it sort of turned in, uh, they kind of went their separate ways. Um, and then they each had their own followers and had their own sort of like Bhutto practices. Yeah. So that's kind of the sort of basic like ABC. Of yeah. <laughs> so which uh, particular aspect or styles of Bhutto do you personally relate to? Um, well, I think first I'd have to share a little bit about how I kind of got into the mm -hmm. practice to begin with. And I'm actually really glad that you're like asking me to talk about Bhutto because uh, it's something that I think I can talk about for hours. So fantastic. Yeah, we yeah. might be here for a while. Yeah, we're trapped in the rain. Yeah. Yeah, it's a perfect day to kind of just like talk about one of my favorite things. Uh so I used to live in New York for seven years. Um and I was working there as like a graphic designer and I only came into my buto and performance practice like maybe in my last two years. Mm. Um and I think like same as you, I was drawn to Buto because of like the mystical qualities of it. But uh, really how I started was kind of unromantic. I saw it on television. Um, Interesting. In New York. Yeah, actually just like a documentary that like my roommate and I were watching at home. Yeah. Um, and when I saw it, I felt this sense of like recognition or like a strong affinity where it wasn't like, Oh, like I want to learn how to do that. It was more like, oh, I already actually kind of know how to do that. 
strange. Yeah, like my body's impulse was、mm. to sort of like start to do the things that I saw on television, and I think like that documentary kind of like normalized it a bit.、Mm. I was like, oh, there's actually like a movement or like a craft、mm. uh, to this sort of gesture, like a language that I already know how to speak. Yeah. Uh, and so after that, I kind of started to seek out or like search for Buto. So I just googled Buto and then like tried to look for teachers、mm. and、uh, things like that. And it's quite a niche art form.、Uh, so I there were only a few places in New York that you know kind of like taught it or、mm. uh, at least from my sort of like level one sort of like search. So、um, there's a space in、uh, New York called Lemay,、mm-hmm. um, and they actually have like an amazing story. I don't want to bastardize, but essentially, like、uh, it's a space that is run by two artists, and it's also their home. Wow! And they built the space from scratch.、Uh, it's like this lofted space, and they built all the rooms, and it's also known as the cave. Oh, yeah! So it has this like beautiful like.、Uh, Practice or performance space、uh, that doesn't have any concrete walls. It's actually just linen cloth, so it really has this、oh, like very flowy of, and open. Yeah,、uh, yeah, this very like womb like sort of quality. And、um, I found out that they were having like a buto workshop there, and so I went.、Um, and it turns out like at the time when the fa- the space first came about,、um, I think、uh, the people who ran it didn't actually have enough money to. Travel or like to,、uh, perhaps because of their immigration status, like in the United States and things like that, and so they started to、uh, invite Buto dancers to come to their space and stay with them, and then in exchange,、yep. like conduct classes.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and so something that came out this very natural impulse, I think, led the space to sort of become a bit of like a Buto haven or like a mecca for Buto dancers who like. Resonated with the spirit of the space,、mm. uh, and Buto being this sort of like avant-garde dance form, like、uh, it, it's really like the dance of life. Like it reacts to like sensory information. Like it's a, it doesn't really have a fixed form and things like that. And so like sort of this fluid sort of inviting space, like、uh, the cave was kind of like a great、uh, sort of like ground for it to like take root in New York in a way、mm. and.、Um, That is what I know of, like I guess part of where it started to kind of gain influence in New York, and maybe you know there are other like sort of spaces that were cultivating that that I don't know about. But yeah. uh, uh, the cave、uh, Lemay is like where I first came across it, and、um, the Buto master that I first learned from was Tadashi Endo,、uh, who's this、uh, Buto master who's based in Germany, and、mm-hmm. he actually I think. Uh, also does buto to jazz and like teaches、uh, at one of the universities.、Uh, yeah, so like when I went into it, you know, buto workshops like、uh, really vary depending on like the person who's like teaching、mm-hmm. it and stuff like that. So for him, he just put us through like a series of super random like exercises, and、uh, I think it was like a three day thing with the option to like extend and perform in his work. But I only did the three day like intro. Yep. To Buto thing and came out of it like even more confused than before. <laughs>、um, Why is that? Because、uh, I think Buto is something that they say that you should just s- meet and like it's not something that can be explained. It's a very like evasive dance form that like sort of、uh, 
doesn't want to be uh, sort of like affixed to like a definition or something like that. So even now in Singapore, I have difficulties sort of like framing Buto the right way. And there's always this fear of like, uh, you know, misrepresenting it, especially mm. as someone who's like maybe fourth or fifth generation, like Buto dancer or something, uh, because like all the founders have passed. Mm. So a lot of this sort of like Buto uh, techniques and history and things like that are kind of like uh, passed down through like an oral tradition. Yep. I think like through, you know, the, the dancers who managed to learn under Hijikata and things like that. And actually like Tadashi Endo, uh, was friends with like uh, Kazuo Ono, like one of the uh, Buto founders. And so he kind of like was able to share a lot of like anecdotes and things like that. Um, oh. But sometimes like the Japanese teachers, like, you know, with the language barrier, they only show you like gestures, like mm. through the body uh, and things. So uh, I, I think one of the things he made us do like in the workshop was like stretch your sense of time. So you'd be eating like the scenario or image that they give you is like you're eating a bowl of rice, mm. but you try and eat it in like the longest way possible. So you start to play with like certain variables, like the size of the chopstick or maybe like the bowl has a life of its own and you have to chase it around yep, the room. Yep, so yep. Uh, I guess for me, it was like, hmm, why am I doing all of this? You know, <laughs> like a yeah. three day intensive and you're like eating like, uh, I don't know, like, rogue bowls of rice and bending chopsticks and like uh eating apples with your navel and things like that mm. you kind of come out of it being like hmm okay what did i learn and maybe i just feel a little bit more like bewildered than mm. i did before um but i think the power of buto is really testament to like how it's expressed through like the dancer's body so uh, I think maybe like a week or two after that whole workshop happened, I saw Tadashi Endo dance in like a community garden in New York. Uh, he was, it was a piece with like all the other like people who had joined the workshop. And the minute I saw him dance, I was like, oh my God, like, fuck, I don't even care. Like what he told me like last week, this is Buto and like it's in his body. So like just by being in proximity to that, I'm sure I learned something. Do you remember what stood out to you? Um, just like the singular core of spirit that I think was like expressed through the body. Uh, one of the things that really struck me about his workshop was, uh, instead of like asking us to introduce ourselves too much and things like that, he just said, just dance. Uh, Interesting. Okay. And so he didn't like define what dance was. So, yep. but I think everyone who kind of ends up at a Buto workshop usually has an interest in like movement, um, at varying degrees. And so mm -hmm. I just like, I just anyhow lah, you know, like just went into the space, like did a bunch of stuff, hoped he liked it, you know, Singaporean eager to please, right? <laughs> You're just kind of like, oh, I hope he thinks that I'm a Buto dancer because I don't know what that means. Yep. Um, and at the end of that whole thing, he just said, mm, okay, I know what kind of animal like you are. Or like he said that to all of us, like I know what kind of animal you are. Yeah. Um, and I think that's essentially like what, movement is cause like everything that you do, um, whether it's performative or like, like, you know, you're, or you're like scratching your nose or, you know, you're waving at someone in a certain way. So they'll take notice of you. It's still uh, an impulse that like arises from you. Yeah. So there is like that invisible layer of information there, or like, I guess in like uh, casual terms, I just call it like a vibe. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <Fair>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, that's okay, fair. this is your vibe, right? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so yeah, that was like my first sort of like interaction um, with, with the Buto. art form. Yeah, with the art form, and then like uh, it just kickstarted this sort of like black hole of like uh, chasing uh, Buto and things like that. Um, Do you yeah. remember any early apprehensions uh, learning it? Oh my god, absolutely! I feel like at the start, like the imposter syndrome, the what is Buto spiral yeah. is like <laughs> is is strong in you know, and and I think like following that that impulse uh, with no like real way to justify, except for the fact that there is this like attraction. Mm. that you know you cannot fight um i think was something that i was like grappling with as well because perhaps like growing up here uh we're taught to like assign value to the things that we're doing and uh you know we need to be very categorical about why we do things as well um so i think i went into the workshops like wanting to know more um and came out of them like knowing even less than i did before mm. Uh, even the founders of the cave, uh, they do their own workshops now and they've kind of branched out from Buto into their own like movement form, which is called Ludus. Oh, interesting. Uh, which has its own roots in like uh, Buto, but I think comes from like the Greek word for play and things mm. like that. Um, uh, one of them said like, I've actually like never met Buto before. Yeah. What is that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, sometimes uh, these sort of like quite esoteric statements kind of get thrown out as well and you're like huh like what do you mean by that and then mm -hmm. only over time then you realize like the depth or like uh, the depth or like uh profoundness of like something like that so for her she she said that she never really met Buto, but instead it led her to like uh cu cultivate her own sort of movement form that they now practice and share with others at their space so uh they've kind of like moved on from Buto in a mm -hmm. way but like the lineage or like the foundation uh did kind of like start off in their space uh, or at least they held space for the, for it when uh, in the early days like mm. in New York um, but my current teacher now is actually French uh, so I, I met like another performance artist like in New York uh, and, and also like one of the people who was taking the workshop mm. uh, and she said uh, oh like this is so different from like uh, Vangeline like have you heard of Vangeline and I said uh, no uh, I'm just like uh, down for whatever and then she said oh you should try uh, Vangeline's like style of Buto uh, I was like I didn't even know there yeah, were different styles right? <laughs> yeah. I was just like uh, sure so I googled uh, Vangeline and then like um, went for a workshop by her and it was like super different uh, she only she's very specific um, and she kind of starts from the technique in a way mm. and so like um, when I went for her workshops it was quite interesting because it was held in like a space like uptown new york um it's just a dark room and it's not like the workshops uh or at least the initial one that i went for where it was like uh, a little bit more theatrical and like uh it gave you like a whole range of like exercises to explore this was more like she would give you a technique and then she would let you dance for like three hours in the, oh wow in the dark yeah yeah yeah, um, and the other performance artist who like recommended um, her as well had actually uh, been seeking out Buto as well. And his encounter with it was in Berlin where like there was a lot of this kind of like 
um, the grotesque and like kind of like horror movie sort of mm. thing. And he was like, oh, like I'm not into that. Yep. Um, which, which is, you know, it's, it's at the same time, like Buto is about your spirit, right? So your, your spirit needs to find something that, uh, perhaps it's feels more drawn to like articulating or, mm. or something like that. Uh, so he also was like, oh, you should, uh, he, he found Vangeline and he was like, oh, this is nice. This is very like, um, quiet. It yeah. has like a different sort of like, uh, frame for like looking at it she's also like really into like sort of the neurological is it neurological yeah neurological like aspects of like buto so she so movement uh yeah so she'll like work with like scientists to like uh develop technology that like scans your brain as you're dancing buto and things like that, that only things that i found out like later on yeah um how was it like going through that workshop of hers which is so different uh, it it changed my life actually. Wow. I, I have to say, in in a very quiet way. Uh, so I can't. My memory is a bit foggy, so I don't remember if I just went for a class or I went for a workshop, uh, or and what the order of that is. But um, I think at the time I was also like uh, planning like a performance uh, in Korea where I wanted to like uh, dance like a tree root or something like a tree root. Yeah, like the roots of a plant or something. Yeah. Um, and like it was about this desire to like get back to something that was like eluding me like so like this connotation of like roots and mm. and being like an outsider or like a foreigner yep. in a different land like i was really thinking about this idea of rooting so when you root like you are supposed to kind of like come closer to the ground like in a way and so like i felt like i was faking it i just kept like crawling on the floor and like felt mm. quite stupid um, but then in one of Vangeline's classes, uh, or the workshop, she gave us a bowl of water and then she said, like, just let the weight of the water, like, uh, guide you. And so like, when you dance with that bowl of water, you kind of like come into a real sense of gravity, mm. like weight, you know, um, Budo is the dance of gravity in a way, uh, quite the antithesis of like Western dance where like ballet and things like kind of. Uh, seek out like an idealized form or like kind of uh, reach towards the heavens mm -hmm. like Bhutto is the Bhutto body like is the bridge between like heaven and earth so one part of you sinks into the ground and the other part of you like uh, reaches for uh, something high above so in a way how it's been described that is like a corpse that is like desperately mm -hmm. trying to stand upright uh, I really love that that uh, image as well because I feel like it really speaks of the human condition. Like we're just like barely keeping it together. Yeah. You know? Um, and so uh, when I was dancing with that bowl of water, uh, people, it was quite emotional actually. Like people around me were like sobbing as they spilled the water. Like I think mm. it makes you come into contact with like uh, your own sense of control yep. and yep. like balance and um, release and things like yep. that. But I was just like happily like, holding the ball and I'm moving really slowly and like feeling like every cellular like particle of like movement as like the weight of the this like small ball like brings me down towards the earth and then before I knew it I was on the ground and then I had this like profound realization where I was like shit like this is like the first time I've ever like danced mm -hmm. like it's my first real dance and 
it wasn't something that I told myself to do, like look sexy or like look, uh, uh, kind of like create this form. It was like, I started somewhere and then I just ended up like somewhere else. And it was just uh, following like a pathway. Yep. Um, and, and I think like that sense of, uh, kind of surrendering to, uh, that flow of movement is something that like, I think in, in Bhutto is, uh, something I, I cherish a lot. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, the part that, so that was the first thing that changed my life. And then the second was like, after the workshop, she just like came up to me and was like, Hey, have you done this before? And I was like, uh, well, I went for like one workshop uh, and I, I don't really know what I learned. Mm. And then she said, um, well, uh, you have something, you should just keep going. Yeah. Uh, I'm here every Sunday, just come. Um, and I think for somebody who was like, oh my God, like I'm just pretending to be a Japanese person <laughs> uh, doing this like Japanese dance or something. Yeah. Um, it was like a big, like uh, kind of like uh, validating moment for me. Yeah. Um, and actually she's been quite supportive like ever since. That's cool. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it like, uh, looking and observing like a Western style of Bhutto as well as an Eastern? Is there like any core differences or key differences that you have noticed? Um, yes, actually, even though I'm actually not sure of what I'm going to say is like regurgitated from like books that I've read mm. on Bhutto because, uh, I think part of the responsibility I think of like a Bhutto dancer in like, the 21st century and also like an international Bhutto dancer who, who, uh, you know, doesn't have, uh, that kind of like, uh, history with it, uh, culturally is that you have to read everything. Mm. Well, at least I, I think at least like enough that you don't disrespect or say things that, um, you know, are not in line with like the history of it or it's like its lineage. Um, but Japanese, the, uh, like the roots of Bhutto, uh, do come a little bit from like sort of like Japanese uh, mythology or like sort of like the Japanese landscape and things mm. like that. So like the founder Hijikata, um, you know, was speaking of like sort of this uh, body that perhaps like came from like the countryside with like the squatting or like, mm. uh, you know, uh, walking a certain way or thinking about like your feet kind of like walking through muddy uh like fields and things like that. And so there's a certain like gate or things. So because Bhutto is provoked by images, mm. uh, perhaps like the Japanese sensibilities that those images are drawn from things like uh, mythology, like with like the demons or spirits mm. and uh, that type of thing. And also like this reverence for nature. Mm. Um, and like with Westerners, like their build is different and perhaps like yep. the way that they sort of like uh, the kind of images that they respond to might be different. And so um, I, I think that in, in some cases, like uh, in the West, it's also become more of like a healing tool or like something that is a bit more like expressive that mm. uh, doesn't necessarily like use the same type of imagery um, and like the expression, the bodily expression might look different as well. Yeah. Um, so Evangeline like does like a Bhutto festival, like, uh, and LeMay used to do it as well, but they've kind of stopped. But uh, Vangeline focuses on like female Bhutto dancers. Mm. Uh, she does have kind of like, I think a, a more like feminist perspective on the field as well. And um, I think that she does like sort of um, program like uh, dancers that are from like 
all walks of life and mm. like different countries. And so like part of my exposure to like Western or like uh, uh, Buto dancers who are not Japanese uh, and, and there are Japanese dancers that perform in the festivals. Like you see kind of like a, quite a stark difference in like the way that the Buto looks as well through mm. like costuming and mm. like even like conceptually or, or whatever, it looks completely different. Um, because ultimately it's based on the individual, right? The individual's expression and the individual's uh, train of thought. Mm, I think it's more like how brave are you to just call claim to it and then like do whatever you want. You Interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I don't have a strong opinion on it. I think that like everyone who practices Buto like uh, will come into like some form of like intimacy with the form, like because it's through the body so that I think anything that's embodied like is does kind of portray like a certain like core of truth because like mm. it's something that you're expressing through flesh. Yeah. Yep. And you can't really lie after a certain point, you know. Yep. Like if you're sick, you can't tell your body uh can't hide that you are sick. Like yep. your body will express it. So yep. I think that like I've I'm always moved like uh by all expressions of the body, like as even like beyond like what the artist tells me about it. I'm like, I don't really care. Just let me see how you move. Like, I'll know in, in Tadashi's and those words, like what kind of animal you are, you know? Yeah. What is attractive about movement? Um, it's immediate. <laughs> Interesting. What do you mean by immediate? If you want to pick up something or like move your finger, you can just do it. Mm -hmm. It's free. <laughs> you don't have to pay to move. Mm. Yeah. You can stop when you want. You can start when you want. Yep. Uh, it's like the most direct form of like being alive. Yeah. Like in the morning, you wake up, you stretch. That's like, you know, your body meeting the morning, you yep. know? Uh, so I, I find that to be like, uh, quite important for me. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, but going back to your point about sort of like, uh, Japanese or Western or things like that, I, I think that, uh, what is exciting for me uh, is, you know, going back to this idea of how it perhaps came initially from like sort of like uh, imagery that was like maybe inspired by like the Japanese landscape and things mm. like that. Um, because Buto works with like images and stuff mm. uh, like and, and, and somatic memory. So like, for example, my Buto teacher, like Vangeline says, says that, um, like every gesture that you know how to do is like rooted in memory. Mm. So if I pick up a cup, like, and I keep doing the same gesture, like the root memory was perhaps from like picking up a cup. Uh, and so, uh, in Bhutto where like there's no context for these things, these gestures like, uh, are taken out of context and they become like their own thing. Mm. Um, and so when you repeat them, they start to gain like new meaning mm. and things like that. And it's also a really great way, I think, to like, uh, work with like trauma. Yep. Because like there are certain things in the body that like come from memories of trauma that mm. you don't really like, uh, remember yep. or understand. Yep. And so it's kind of like a rescripting of the body. So my personal sort of like, or how I talk about my own Buddha practice with like, uh, people who meet me and, uh, ask me about it is that I feel like the buto that I dance is like a very dirty buto, and and I say that with pride. Like I I don't see that as um it's it's more like a reflection of like 
uh, I think all the countries and places that I've passed through, like the kind of like disordered memories that I have, yeah. like, and I didn't learn from like a master. Like, I didn't have the sort of like methodology of it mm-hmm. in such a pure way. So I come at it through like the perspectives of like different teachers and like my own sort of like daily practice. Yep. Uh, and so God knows what it is at this point, right? It's kind of like become its own monster in a way. When when yeah. when you use the word dirty, um, what images do you have in mind? What are you thinking about? Um, I think of things like very layered. Not to say that, uh, like, I think traditional forms of Buddha are also like very layered as well. Um, so like for example, um, Hijikata when he was training his dancers would like go for like hours, like day and night, like. Uh, just like verbalizing like a string of images and then they would embody it. So he'd be like, oh, like, you know, uh, a leaf like floating mm-hmm. in the wind, like turns into like, um, I don't know, like a small butterfly and yep. then like the butterfly begins or whatever. And then you just keep shape shifting. Mm. Um, but, uh, for me, like my Buddha is very like ADHD. What does yeah. that mean? <laughs> it means that I cannot like always sustain the image. Mm-hmm. So like when, uh, certain Buddha dancers dance like the image gets like richer mm. and richer and more specific. Uh, but for me, it I, I describe it almost like a Wi-Fi signal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so it gets weak sometimes and stronger sometimes. Yeah, and then so like I, I, I would say like I'm not particularly like. Mm, I'm not an expert. I'm just an enthusiast. Mm. Um, and so like. But I'm also like, I try to be honest. So when the f- Wi-Fi signal does die, uh, I'll just let it die in my mm-hmm. performance. Um, but it doesn't mean that I go completely dead or something. Everything in my body is still alive and emotion, but it's like, I have to wait for the next thing yep. to come. And, um, I think very seasoned Buddha dancers, like maybe don't have that much of that. Yep. Um, but that might just be my own like sort of like theory yep. on it. Do you feel like you are playing different characters in any particular performance? Um, yes and no. I, so Kazuo Ono, like one of the founders of, uh, Buto, like, uh, used to dance like this Argent, Spanish dancer, Argentinian dancer called La Argentina. And he said that he spent his whole career, he just like danced her. Mm. Uh, like that became like what he was like quite known for. And I don't even think he met her in real life, but he was like, he felt like he called to do that. Like that was like his life's calling. And so like he would dance her. So I wouldn't say that it's like playing a role in like a theatrical way or something. It's more like a form of channeling maybe. Mm. Yeah. Like you are allowing something to like enter your body. Yeah. Even though like, um, there's a Buto troupe called like Darakuda Khan that has like a more like theatrical sort of like influence. And so their costumes are like quite specific and things mm. like that. So they might play like a salary man or things and they do like sort of rehearse. So I think like troupe or like company Buto is also a little different from like solo Buto. I'm a soloist, so I can really anyhow, cause like <laughs> it's my rules, it's my dance, you yep. know? Uh, so like, for for me, like uh, I would say that like uh, my practice of buto allows me to meet these like different 
characters, if we're going to use that, or entities, and like, uh, I can, uh, allow them to inhabit me as I dance. And so it's not like I was like, oh, I'm going to dance like, um, a small girl. And then I know what that small girl is going to act like or how she's going to behave. It's just more like I have an inkling that that might be what I might tap into. Mm-hmm. And then I wait for the Wi-Fi signal to get strong again. And then like that becomes like more like uh, it materializes through the dance. Yeah. Uh, I've only actually performed like two Buto pieces, two or three Buto pieces like in public. Mm. Um, I, otherwise I just dance for myself like as a form of like, um, it, yeah, it's just a very personal sort of like communion, like with, uh, myself, like my body and things like that. But, uh, the first time I performed, I just like performed like to these like bell sounds. So my body became like empty and I was like receiving the sounds of the bell. Mm. So I would just kept shape shifting, but I didn't get a strong sense of like, uh, a person or like an, uh, entity. I was just like, uh, I just became the bell. Yeah. That's a very profound statement. <laughs> I just became the bell. <laughs> it's very um empty brain kind of like mm. uh I don't know, like I love memes that are like no thoughts, you know, just like no <laughs> thoughts. And I'm like, I I it allows me to do that. Uh and it's just kind of like emptying out of the the self. And so like uh one of my my other Buddha teachers that I learned with, uh Emiko, who is from uh Darakuda Khan, like uh, she always like starts off with saying like, Oh, like your body is like an empty bag. And then like your eyes are just like two black holes. And then, uh, your, you dissolve like your gender, you dissolve your history, like you dissolve your nationality. You're just an empty bag. Yeah. So then when you really empty out and, and sometimes it's not really the case. And that's why I say like I'm a dirty Buddha dancer because I always find like I'm not pretty, not that empty. I always have like, all sorts of crap like stuck everywhere in my mm-hmm. body and I drag it along with me as I'm dancing. So yep. uh if, if if we think about it in a, a more like Zen or like spiritual sense, like if the emptying out of the ego, like my ego like bites back. So like it's like still somewhere <laughs> still at the back on, of yeah. my mind being like, why are you doing that? Like ah yep. oh, like my hip hurts, you know, yep. like uh that that voice like never quite goes away. Um but then in, in my second Buddha work that I just performed recently with my friend Paul, um, it was called Gahara and it came from like some poetry that he was writing. Um, we found the word and then it resonated. So I thought Gahara was like the world that we were both like creating together through Buto and like, mm. um, the music or soundscape that he was creating. But then I realized halfway through the dance that Gahara was the character or the entity that I was dancing. So, so it's different. Uh, yeah. And so the experience really humbled me because I remember when the show ended, I just kept repeating like over again, over and over again. Like I was like, I didn't know it could be like this. I didn't know Buto could be like this. Um, and so as a practitioner, like even as I'm going through it, like I don't like, I, I'm not the one like in the driver's seat, you know, Interesting. I'm just a passenger. Like it makes you feel like you're part of something that's like larger than yourself. Uh, and yeah, it, it is quite profound, I think. And, um, uh, once a more experienced Buddha dancer, like, 
uh, that I had a meal with in New York, like told me like, uh, I don't dance buto like because I know what buto is. Like I dance buto to meet buto. Hmm. Very profound as well. Yeah. So you know, it's just more like every time you create that sort of opportunity or environment for yourself to dance buto. Yep. There's more chances for you to like slip into a buto state. A yeah. buto state. Yeah. Interesting. Which is like perhaps a complete emptying out mm. or like the opportunity for like the Wi-Fi signal to be like super strong. And it's really like subject to a whole bunch of things like, uh, temperature, like, yep. uh, sound, like, yep. I don't know. It's all, all these like shifting conditions. And so, um, the more times you do it, like the more like your dance, uh, emerges. Yep. Yeah. So it's, I could, I would say it's kind of an emergent dance form because images and things like emerge from the body. That's very interesting. Yeah. I love it. Uh, it's, it's always like a surprise to me, like when I see something that I, um, didn't expect. So like in Kahara, like I felt like I was transported to like another world and like this entity, uh, Gahara or something was like, had been alive for like many years mm. and saw like the forming and unforming of like different planets, planetary bodies and was like wow. completely unfazed by them. So yeah. she was like bored. She was petulant. Yeah. Uh, sometimes she would like be contemplative. And so like that, I was like shape shifting between all those things. And, uh, you know, if you want to rationalize it, perhaps I have a very rich imagination. Um, but also perhaps like in, in the kind of like inexplicable, like mysteries of the universe, like, uh, some, some things aligned and I was able to have that profound experience, uh, for myself. Is there a right or wrong way to perform an experience buto? Hmm. Let me give that one some thought. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. At least every like Bhutto teacher that I have, um, like had the pleasure of being taught by, like has been very like, uh, welcoming mm. in terms of like welcoming people to the form. Like there's no like gatekeeping, at least like not in my personal experience of it. Um, they, they always say things like, just have fun or like, just try this. Uh, I think like Emiko, one of my teachers, uh, that I, I learned from, uh, is, is really good at that. Like she really creates like a really safe and like non-intimidating space for you to try things. So what they do is they tend to just like give you techniques. Mm. Um, and it's all sort of in service of you trying to find your own dance. Um, and, and, Going back to like my point about how the body doesn't lie, like I guess like you can't really like fake buto, like just through like moving and things like that. Like you are like accessing like some form of, of, of buto dance. Yeah. But I guess like if there was a wrong way to do it, it would be like, uh, perhaps not reading or educating yourself on like the legacy of it and then just like going around like doing all sorts of random movement and then like mm. calling it uh buto yep um or, or like capitalizing on like the 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 form of buto and then like for example like selling tickets and like calling it like buto or something like that yep. uh but on the on the more positive like side of that there have been like 
uh, practitioners who were, were just like doing their own thing and just like dancing and stuff and then they meet a Bhutto dancer and the Bhutto dancer is like oh what you're doing is Bhutto and then the person's like oh okay and then they after that they kind of like get added to like the lineage of like people mm. who are practicing it yeah yeah is is Bhutto dance very commonly known to other dancers because I think before before having to 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 do research on this I had no idea like something like this existed Mm. yeah what did you find out in like your research like just from mm. you know like googling or i watched a couple of videos uh, a couple of pretty interesting documentaries i think what stood out to me was how ritualistic it feels mm. it feels as though if i were to think about how people of old they were to pray and how they were to worship it feels like this is part of that like if um they want good weather for, for something before they understood sciences and everything. It feels like a very natural thing for them to do, to go out into the field, to dance as if, if they want rain yeah. or if they want good season, good crops. It feels like that. And a lot of the, the, the videos and the performances I see is very grotesque. Uh, it, it, it gives off a certain feeling. I think some of them were using props as well. Yeah, so it's interesting to see uh, the different types because there were some that were really graceful. I think there was one in video in particular. Sankaijuku, the bald people. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> yeah. they were using like uh, very like natural props. I think one of them were like dancing in the snow and it's very like high high movement. Mm, yeah, yeah, not, not yeah. as much low movement. So there's also like a distinct uh, difference there as well. Yeah, but but this is, is it's yeah. only from uh, someone who has never, uh, never heard or never like experience something like this before yeah yeah i think it's it's kind of amazing because like there were all these like disciples of buto and so like each of them branched out into their own sort of like way of like approaching mm. it so like uh perhaps uh sankai juku maybe if that was the one that you saw is like a troop uh that i think like a lot of their buto focuses on like universal themes like mm. uh like natural phenomena or like planets or, or like things like that so they all look kind of monk-like and then they do. they do this sort of like flowy movement yep. and they're quite big in like Europe as well. I think they're only one of the few like Bhutto troops that have come to Singapore to perform. Yeah, so it's like perhaps the most like palatable mm. but also like, I mean, what they do is 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 amazing in and of itself. Uh, so that's like one form of Bhutto is like very graceful and uh, for some Bhutto practitioners, uh, the roots of it are like this like uh, Japanese gymnastics dance form uh, form called like noguchi taiso mm. uh, which is like the water body so like uh it works with like uh the water uh, like spirals and things like that in the body and like uh the body being like a water bag and like uh so it has a lot of that sort of like flowy sort of movement and things so they use that as a way to like warm up the body yep so buto is not an insular thing it actually has roots in like german expressionism french literature like surrealism yep. like uh like paintings from like Francis Bacon or mm. like Hans Belmer's dolls like all the like different joints and things like that yep. so like the founders were quite well read and like also quite influenced by a lot of like other like avant-garde movements and even like Balinese dance as well has a lot of like overlap uh, which is per perhaps why there's that sort of like this folksy uh, quality to it um, I uh, whoops I totally lost my train of thought <laughs> I would just like go on and on um, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm curious to know um what are some important elements in Bhutto to you because it feels to me like the music 
uh, whatever choice of music uh, that is used in a particular performance, it sets some sort of a, a concept and a mood. Yeah, and some would use props, some would use just their body alone, uh, the the makeup. Yeah, yeah. these seems to be uh, quite important elements all coming together to tell uh, a particular story. Uh, I think that perhaps is like the secondary layer of Bhutto for perhaps an audience mm. or like to frame the mov- the the form. Mm. But the most important thing in Bhutto is like breath. Interesting. Yeah, because in order to like move, you have to breathe and then the breath uh, sort of like grounds the movement as well. Uh, and also like a lot of the images and the focus is in the, what in uh, people might know as the Tan Tian. Yeah. Which is <laughs> what like, is that? It's like the, oh my God, I'm going to do a really bad job of explaining it, but it's like, uh, about like four fingers like below your navel it's like this like energy center or in, in Japanese it's called the tendon okay so like you have to place your awareness there and then like images kind of like grow out of that as well Wait, so, images grow out of that is um, it metaphorically or is it is, is that what people would, would think about when they want to practice or what they want to learn I think uh, it it's something that is like embodied so i wouldn't say that i'm using it like a metaphor because you really have to place your your cognitive like or or like sensing there yep. and then like uh for example if i give you an image like uh uh you're holding like a small white flower uh mm. in your belly and then it it starts to take root and sprout then like that warmth or like that sensation or image of the body like expands and before you know it, you're like a gigantic flower or like, Fair. you know, you're, you're a tree or something. Um, so that's where it comes from. And then maybe after that, the costuming and the sound starts to underscore that. But actually, when I dance Buto, I don't rehearse with the music. Um, Interesting. I don't really care about the music, actually. Mm. Um, I like when they come together, uh, but it's not like something that governs the, the movement. Yeah, it's not choreographed. Yep. The the music just creates like an environment. So uh Buto works I think sometimes with like different like time registers and things like that. So the music's just there like for maybe to set some kind of mood, but then the Buto dancer can make the choice of whether they want to follow that or not. Uh and then with the costumes, uh I think uh there's like a sense of that uh impulse to shock or to uh delight or to bring pleasure to people like through the dance it doesn't always have to be like horror about like pain or things Mm-mm. like i remember the first buto performance like ever that gained it notoriety was uh like called forbidden colors and it was based wow. off this <laughs> novel by mishima um like this like uh I, I can't remember if he was closeted or not. Like, uh, and uh, this writer who, who like wrote these like, uh, uh, erotic novels about like male on male kind yep. of like relationships, and I think it was quite taboo at the time in Japan. And so, uh, Hijikata and like the other founders, like Sun, like performed in it, and then there was a live chicken that they like crushed between their thighs or something, and then. Uh, it was performed in like very low lighting and like there wasn't much documentation but it mm. caused like a whole star yep. and so like that sense of like theatricality or like shock was part of like the whole like mythos of Buto as well 
And like, I mean, when I saw that documentary, aside from the fact that I thought that I could do the movement or something, I, <laughs> I was like, wow, like, this is beautiful. Um, like, it feels like a language or like an aesthetic sensibility that I'm particularly drawn to. Mm -hmm. So it adds to that uh, mysticism of the whole thing. Um, and there's this um, Bhutto troupe called Byako Sha that is defunct now. Uh, and they used to do Bhutto in the mountains and it, theirs was like super ritualistic and they mm. used to kind of walk in like live, like a lot of the Bhutto dancers at that time uh, used to live more like in like commune settings. Mm. So like, for example, like uh, those who study under Hijikata would like live together and then at night they would like uh, maybe walk at the cabaret or things like that and then all their earnings would go back to like funding Bhutto performances. Yep. So like Byakusha like moved to the mountains and then they just like live together and like made these like really crazy costumes out of like uh, hoses and like kitchen appliances and wow. fire and things like that. And yeah. then, um, but I think like also it wasn't sustainable because it was in the mountains. Like who's going to go there and watch Buto? But they documented everything. And like, yep. uh, so now it, it kind of like lives on like in, in culture, like through these like memories. And they sort of feel like a bit like secret rituals in a yep. way. Um, even like I think my Bhutto performances which I perform at my studio sometimes like it's only like a few people like five or something um, and like that intimacy is like uh, something that I, I think I, I treasure because it reminds me of like the early days of Bhutto like it was an underground movement it's not like uh, as like sort of internationally favored mm. as it is now where mm. it's on a stage and yep. you know Sankaijuku has like these nice expensive costumes and yep. Things I used to be like in a dirty basement, you know, and like dim lighting and things like that. And I like to perform it in, uh, in that kind of setting still as well. I sort of like that very like confrontational, like visceral nature of the body. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I think for me, like the, all the props and things are like a bonus, but, uh, I wouldn't want to do without them either. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Yeah. So does yeah. the idea of improving at Bhutto, does it exist? Because if we look at different art forms, like let's say painting or let's say other types of dance, there is this idea of Im improving. You could have better form. Let's say for art or illustration, you could have better compositions. There's the whole talk about foundations and stuff. But for Bhutto, it feels a little bit different. So does the idea of improving exist in the, the art form? Uh, yes, but perhaps not so much in like a way where you need to be more technical. Um, I remember when I watched this Bhutto performance in New York, um, I was talking to Evangeline about it and I said like, wow, she's so amazing. Like I, w I wish that I could move like her. And then Evangeline just said, oh, she's been doing it for a long time. Like quite matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And um, I think uh, the, the only thing, the, the only way to, and I don't want to use the word improve, but, I guess to like meet more of Bhutto is to practice it like as much as you can. Um, actually, people who practice Bhutto as like a life path thing, like almost like religion or something, mm. like they are called like Bhuttoist. Bhutto, oh, that's a nice yeah. ring to it. Okay. Yeah, like maybe like Buddhist, but like yep. Bhuttoist. Yep. Um, so, uh, it's perhaps like a kind of like, uh, expanded awareness like where if i pick up this cup i can do that in a butto way 
where I'm being very mindful of like how my fingers wrap around the cup, the temperature of the cup, the weight of the cup. And so everything that I do is within that sort of Bhutto awareness. And so when I dance Bhutto and I do the same gesture, I'm essentially just doing the same thing. Yep. So there's no distinction between like, uh, I guess when you're doing Bhutto and not doing Bhutto. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, I guess it's kind of a way of like, I would say like an expanded sensing. Like, for example, I think that in Singapore, a lot of people don't necessarily have a lot of body awareness. Fair. Uh, I think because uh, perhaps in like a more like conservative sort of society, there are certain attitudes that are reinforced about the body. Uh, a lot of like internalized shame mm. um, and also a lot of like uh, self-censorship of like what you can and cannot do. Like you can't be too loud. You mm. can't stretch your legs out too much. Like uh, you you can't be too violent with your movement. Um, and so all these no's and things get like kind of trapped in the body. And so um, you start to kind of close off like a certain part of your self that uh, is in tune with sensation and in mm. tune with like uh, this sort of like gestural language. Uh, and so in doing Bhutto, you kind of like open yourself up to that again because it bypasses all those like blocks and allows for like new pathways to emerge. Yeah. Um, and so I guess like instead of like thinking about it as sort of like an improving of Bhutto, I would see as like, you know, that Wi-Fi signal. Yeah. <laughs> like your Wi-Fi signal just gets stronger. Like um, the more you practice and the, the more like parts of you start to open up. So like for me, because I have, uh, I share a studio with another artist like in Algenit and like we invite friends to just like move and we have like musician friends like come in and like play uh, music. Like they're super generous. They just like rock out with us and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've been dancing like since like after lockdown, like almost every week. So maybe like a year and a half, just like moving. Yeah, It's not always Bhutto too. It's just like, I just want to dance. Mm. Um, and I feel like that sort of like uh, activating of the body and things like has created like a richer like Bhutto for me. I think like uh, when I first like moved back from New York, my goal was to like travel the world and like search for different teachers and yep. learn and uh, I was having a good run of it until my bank account and like um, uh, COVID and everything just yep. kind of put a dampener on things. And then yep. I was like, shit, like I'm going to be just like stuck here and I'm not going to be able to like uh, sort of like satiate that hunger that I yep. have for this. But then I found it in like the most like incredible of ways just through like dancing every day or like watching like my other friends move mm. and like, just I guess keeping that like Buddha consciousness alive um has really like helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Just like constantly returning back to it, you know. Yeah. Um I'm curious to know how has Buddha helped in understanding your view of reality? How has it changed? Hmm, that's an interesting one actually. I don't know if I've ever had a good grasp on reality to begin with. <laughs> so, Fair. <laughs> um I kind of uh, like this, uh, well, my favorite literary genre is like magical realism. Do you have an example of that? Uh, yeah, there's this book called like a hundred years of solitude okay. and, um, like 
magical realism sort of frames like the fantastical that happens in the everyday as like very like matter of fact. So like, for example, one of my favorite uh, like subplots in that whole like book is about this man who is like constantly followed around by like yellow butterflies. And so like when he like meets this woman and he falls in love, like, and they go and see a movie, like the whole movie theater is full of butterflies. Um, or like when one of the characters like opens like um, the lid of a pot, it's full of butterflies, mm. but nobody's going like, oh my God, like yep. butterflies. They're just like, it's accepted as like part of the story. Uh, it's just part of their everyday reality. Mm. Um, and I think like uh, for me, like Buto being sort of like my life's practice and sort of like perhaps my way of like uh, fighting to stay alive. Um, part of being alive for me is to like recognize the magic in the everyday. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes in like a country like Singapore, which, um, you know, especially for like people who have like grown up here for a long time, like there's this phrase, like, which is like, uh, familiarity breeds contempt, right? Yep. And when you get like contemptuous, you stop seeing. And I feel like uh, Buto with like, it's sort of like expanded sensing. Like I can start to like look at everything like through this like magical lens and like see that as my reality. Mm. and uh, perhaps that's why like I haven't gone crazy from like the pandemic <laughs> or anything uh, yeah. because like I've accepted the crazy as like part of the norm yeah um, yeah I remember like I was taking a walk with like a good friend a couple of weeks ago and I asked her like hey the HDB like the sky above like the color like quite nice right <laughs> I was like, I don't remember it being like this nice before. Yeah. And then my friend was just like, uh, I think it's the same sky. Um, but like, um, maybe you just got a bit softer, mm. you know? Uh, and and I, I think softness is just sort of like uh, a way of like making space for things to come to you. So uh, Butero has like, I think, helped me be like, more of a human being and like less of a cyborg because I, I I have the tendency to be quite like uh, robotic when I'm when I'm not like uh, dancing or mm -mm. or like reminding myself that I'm a human being and yeah need to be empathetic or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you have to run the empathy program. I, I do. My friend makes fun of it <laughs> me for it like all the time. Yeah. Mm. Yes in quite a few ways but I wonder if like it's more like everything that happens in your life influences the way that you move um but the pandemic did bring like certain restrictions like um you can't travel now yep. and then uh you can't technically meet in more than groups of five yep. and so uh you know, your your sense of your body's like socialization and things like that are a little different. So, um, but like I said, because I have my studio and I mm. dance like every week um, and, and perhaps because of all these limitations, like I come at it with like more ferocity than before. And so I wonder if I would have been like less dedicated or less uh, stubborn about being very committed to movement if I didn't, if this didn't happen because I might have just been like all over the place and oh, interesting. had a lot more distractions. Mm. So 
Um, well, that's just one theory anyway. Who knows <laughs> if that's true or not? Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. We're going to look at it. What are the other theories? Mm, okay, so I talked about it in the context of the pandemic. Um, other ways? Oh, well, during lockdown, for example. So my parents don't know what I do. Like, okay. They don't know I'm a butto dancer. It doesn't come out during dinner? Uh, I think now, I mean, they know I'm weird, that's for sure. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Okay. Uh, but they, they don't know that I'm an artist mm. and they don't know that, uh, I'm a butto dancer. Yep. And, uh, during lockdown, like, I had to dance because it's like part of my, like, how I stay alive. And yep. so, and I had just moved back from New York as well. So I was like quite, wasn't sure how to behave in the home. Like, yep. This domestic space that isn't mine. Mm. So I kind of had to negotiate like how much of myself like, I wanted to sort of like let out, I think, or or I didn't even know who I was coming back from New York. Um, but I, instead of doing Butoh, actually, I, I, I did like a dance form called like Gaga. What is that? Which I was doing also like in um, like New York as well. It has, it, it's, it's an Israeli like movement form, uh, like, the founder is like Israeli and it has like a lot more of like a wilder sort of like serpentine quality to it. But it also uses like images and things like that. So like um they'll talk about like the rope of the arms, like the arms being like ropes or like um you are holding like two wine glasses and you're shaking, you're trying not to spill the wine. So yeah. uh when I used to do it in, in New York, like I it was fun because you get like people from like all ages, like old people mm. or like uh, children or all sorts of people, like just kind of coming together to like move and shake yep. and like uh, gyrate and like all those things. So Buto um, still actually like as much as it is like free form in a way, like it's quite rigorous and mm. and um, it requires a lot of like discipline and stamina and training and things like that. Uh, so I was doing this like Gaga thing in my living room, like on Zoom for the whole of lockdown, like every day. Yep. Um, and so when I emerged from lockdown, uh, I was moving in like quite a like animalistic way, first of all, because I come out of my house and I've been like dancing like that for a while. <laughs> yep. And then my buto, that, and that's why I go back to this dirty buto thing again, mm -hmm. right? Became flavored with this sort of like, uh, sort of this, this uh, gaga sort of like, influence so I'm it was like a Buto Gaga sort of cocktail. Yep. Um so uh yeah that that changed my movement. I, I do I have like done a little bit of like Gaga, even though now I just do take Buto classes and things. Um and uh so, so once in a while like when I dance like that kind of thing will like come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in in exploring your, your current style of dance with regards to Buto, um are there any has there been any Thing outside of this uh, sphere of influence that has been inspiring you or what has been uh, particularly attractive to you that is outside of this current uh, style that you do oh so like what appeals to me that is not Bhutto uh, within Bhutto but perhaps like a different style perhaps something more graceful is it appealing to you is it yeah mm, I mean I like soloists okay yeah, like I love to watch like 
um, individual Bhutto dancers. I, I don't mind like, uh, company based like productions and stuff, but, um, I've always been like more seized by like the lone body or like, um, what, uh, I was reading this like Bell Hooks book the other day and mm-hmm. then she talks about like, the rugged individual like in society, even though she was saying it in like a bad way, like the rugged individual only like cares about themselves and things like that. But I kind of like, like this sort of like idea of the rugged individuals, this like romantic figure. Mm. And so like, uh, there are a lot of like solo Bhutto dancers that kind of just are able to carry the performance by themselves. And if a Bhutto performance is like one hour, you're basically watching someone move for one hour. Yeah, uh, I myself am a soloist as well. It's like, how can your buto be so potent that you there's like something to see like uh within that uh one hour of like sharing space together yeah. so like there's something about the solo buto dancer that like really really like gets me going like gets me excited i'm i'm always like looking for soloists and i always have like uh my my studio is kind of fun because like people from like all walks of life like show up and they're not always my friends mm. Like they just like hear that there's a space like in Singapore where you can move and mm. things like that. And then they just kind of like show up, whether it's through like social media or something. And um they're not they're they're all sorts of like different backgrounds, like capoeira or like um they used to be in theater or something, and like that singular like expression of like spirit, like through movement is so powerful sometimes that I'm just like, wow, like this is how you, what you're carrying with you, like through life. Um, I, I'm re- always really attracted to that. It feels very natural. Yeah. Like the natural, like the desire to move feels very natural. Not for everyone. I think like um, some people are scared. Like the ones that come to my studio, it's like they, they want to move and mm. they haven't found like a space for it. Like maybe they can't move in their home. Like how I couldn't really move into my home. Like my parents definitely thought it was crazy, but yep. we were like all in lockdown. So it was like, okay, I'll tolerate this because ad- otherwise you're going to go crazy and yep. uh, annoy us, you know? <laughs> so um, yep. they were like, let her just have her corner like yep. in the room or something. Yep. Um, but yeah, one one time someone came to my studio and was just like, I need this. Like, I, I need this. And I feel like the body needs that. Uh, ability to just like move as they wish and uh surprisingly like for a lot of us that's not really the case it's like you almost need to give yourself permission to to fall on the floor or like to uh just wave your hand for like no reason or 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 shake your head or something you know like um there's always something at the back of your mind that's like "Mm, i that's not normal you know um one of the buto prompts that vangeline once gave us in a workshop was like um walk as if someone is kicking you from like behind your knee Mm. so every time you walked you would kind of stumble you lose your sense of balance um and like people also started crying uh through that and the people that had the most difficulty like kind of uh doing the exercise were like trained dancers Mm. because they they were so trained that they kept catching themselves like every time they fell they would like catch themselves um and so, uh, you know, having to re-script like the way that you think about things, like for example, usually if your knee is bent uh, or unlocked, it's like you're going to fall down. Yep. Um, and it leads back to the sense of like control or yep. like not looking stupid. And so every time you 
do that thing where your knee buckles, you're confronted with that same fear yep. and sensation. And that's what makes people cry, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a very confronting uh, art form. Mm, yes, because I, I think that it um, has a lot to do with like the subconscious or like your inner self and uh, things like that. And and Buto is called the dance of darkness, yep. right? And yep. so um, when it was about dancing, like the horrors of war, it also mm. became about dancing, like the horrors of your inner psyche. Like um, some people are afraid to close their eyes for too long because their imagination will like run wild. Um, so when I do like Buto workshops at my studio, sometimes um, I tell participants to, think of the blackness behind their eyelids as like an infinite space. So as you're closing your eyes and like doing this free movement, uh, suddenly you'll feel afraid to like take a step forward. You know, you're kind of like taking more and more steps into the abyss. Uh, it's funny because I'm also afraid of the dark. So uh, <laughs> like it's an interesting one for me to navigate like as a Buddha dancer. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, so as you as you do these exercises or like, uh, you know, dance in a dark room, like all sorts of strange fears will come to come up. It's kind of like a moving meditation in a way because yep. meditation has that exact same effect. Yep. Yeah. Like of the mind and like its projections and things. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned, I think, this concept of surrender. Um, do you think vulnerability kind of plays a part as well? Do you think they're one in the same? Um, perhaps... Yes, uh, if like we see truth as a kind of vulnerability, uh, in a way, um, because like I think to to dance buto is to be honest with yourself. Mm. Uh, to dance buto in private is to have that private interaction with like you and your body mm. in time and space. But then there's another layer, which is like to dance buto for somebody else. Yep. Uh, for for that to be witnessed is like a different layer of like vulnerability as well. Yep. Yeah. And I used to kind of wonder like what makes my buto watch worth watching. What are the answers you came up with before? Um actually I don't. I just do it anyway because I want to. Mm. Um and I think that uh it we don't watch enough of like movement. We just take it for granted. And like Buto is not like ballet or something where I have this choreographed thing for you. I might just be like walking across the room mm. um, for like one hour. I just like walk across the room. And um, in that one hour, like hopefully someone might suddenly have like a real uh, awareness of walking. Mm. Like they might suddenly think about the feet a lot, you know, and I think that's important. Yeah. Would you want, let's say, an audience when they're witnessing any types of buto buto dance? Um, what you what would you want them to to take home? Uh, nothing specific, really. I think it's like important that they showed up. Okay. Yeah, and like I think that uh, sometimes it's just to be there, like in space together, and even to like not. You don't have to remember all of it. I don't think that's the point. Um, and it's also okay if like your uh, attention span wanders off and like 
you come back and like it's something else. I think that's kind of the beauty of like Butoh. It's like the art. For me, it's like a shape-shifting art. Mm. It's like uh, time itself is like coursing through the body. So like in in coming to a Butoh performance, you're sort of like witnessing time. Yeah. Like the body, like being able to like register and articulate time at, at like different speeds and forms and things. And so um, one of my uh, most like profound like uh, sort of experiences in lockdown was we have this tree outside our house and okay. um, I I used to watch that tree like every day mm. because like I couldn't leave the house yep. um, so I would just watch that tree and then uh, every day like the the flowers on the tree would like fall mm. so like the density of like yellow in the tree like would be like different sometimes yep. it would be like on the ground sometimes yep. it would be like uh, sprouting like in on the tree branches and things and like the transformation of that tree like over time like i became so like attuned to like the rhythms of that tree that uh it it felt like a whole dance in itself and i feel mm. like with with buto which sometimes focuses on like hyper slow controlled movement and stuff is like very much like the same logic of the tree yeah yeah i'm curious to know are you a would you consider yourself a spiritual person uh, I can be quite like woo woo, like namaste for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would that would that be a yes? Um, I think I kind of like oscillate between the two. Um, I'm quite impressionable, so I'll believe in like anything. Um, okay. So like, if you tell me there's an alien here, I'd be like, okay, cool. Okay. Like, okay. You know, so I I think like, uh, if if that makes me spiritual, like sure, I I think, uh. I'm not religious, if that's mm. what you're saying. Like, I don't have a religion. Like, Buddha is probably the closest thing to a religion that yep. I have. But it, it's more of like, it's just my life practice. Yep. Um, it's what I'm committed to doing. But um, I think the language that I use sometimes, like, definitely can... Like, I definitely, like, abuse the word, like, energy, even though I haven't said it too much in this... <laughs> not yet. <laughs> in this conversation. <laughs> I was, like, holding back. So, um, to that point, yeah, yeah. Um, the reason why I asked that is because I'm curious to know... Uh, how are there any particular philosophies that you would you, you personally relate to? Mm, maybe only like the Bhutto philosophy, but I mean like uh some Bhutto practitioners are also like Zen practitioners mm. and like you know there's a lot of this sort of like overlap in like yep. spirituality and then with like uh you know the word that you use like Bhutto is this mystical thing, like some people see it as like a shamanic like having a lot of overlaps in like shamanic practices yep. and things like that. But when I am performing Bhutto, I don't see it as like, I'm like a shaman. Like I definitely don't see that. I, For me, it's still more of like a very, very like uh, nuanced like practice that um, it's an art form. Like it's still, there's a certain level of craft and things that yep. uh, there are like techniques and like sort of, uh, embodied practices that I use to dance so it's not like any howla and it's not like mm. oh you know like uh, I'm channeling like the energy like through my arm like yep, yep. Uh, but uh, I think the language of spirituality does help because um, it's just it's like water like saying water in like, every different language is still water you know Mm. like you're still talking about water yep. so I think for me it's all about that like sensing so like 
with Butoh, if it's about opening up your senses and being able to see things on like a particle level, then uh, feel things on a particle level. Uh, I can also talk about it as like vibrations or mm. like that kind of thing. So uh also depends on which day you catch me. Like <laughs> some some days I'm like more like like really like in like in outer space and sometimes yep. I'm more grounded. So, yep. so yeah. how how have you come to understand the concept of energy though? Because I don't think apart from like physics and stuff like that, I don't think it's a concept that is well known or people are aware of. Are you like a spiritual person? Uh I dabble and I read. Mm. I I adopt the Taifan method, which is I just take whatever I like. Yeah. yeah not yeah. committed to one. Yeah. But is there anyone that's like particularly resonant with you? But you're not a skeptic, right? Like you kind of embrace like all these philosophies and I think it's important to be a bit of everything. You can be a skeptic about certain things as well. But I think the idea of energy is it's true. I won't be surprised if uh, sometime down the line, assuming the world doesn't blow up, uh, that there will be more studies about uh, perhaps more senses that we might uh, we might come to discover. Because mm. who knows what uh, the the brain can do? I mean, yeah. At least that's 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 what I'm thinking about. Because I think this idea of energy, some people can sense it very well, and they're very tuned to that level or that tangent of of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I. I mean, I, like I said, I use the word like energy a lot and like, um, I don't know if it's because like, I don't really believe in like language as being like particularly accurate anyway. So like when I say energy, it's like the anchor point to a lot of things that I'm like feeling inside that I can't really like express. Yep. Um, so like, for example, if I dance, like I, I experience a lot of sensations. I might try and describe it in like an energetic way mm. or like if I meet a person, like I might be able to like sense what I presume is their energy as well. Um, but perhaps to other people, they could identify it in like a more like um, specific way. Like, oh, this person was very closed off or this person was very like standoffish or yep. something. But then I might just like uh, do a weird hand gesture and be <laughs> like, oh, this person's energy was like, very like like that you know like choking <laughs> what is that emotion <laughs> yeah that, that's that's the great thing about like you know this being a podcast that you cannot see my obscene gestures um, okay okay like yeah suffocating? <laughs> see it's with with gesture there's more of a realm of possibility mm. right whereas like if i describe like a person's like uh perhaps like more like unpleasant energy or something like and tried to use a whole bunch of words Fair. Yep. Uh, I would be held to it as well. And then I would be like, I, that's not exactly what I meant. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, let me think. Uh, I think like, in a way, the energy of a person also comes out through the dance again, like the vibe or like whatever. Um, I, I love raves. Like I, mm. I really like, uh, I think I spent like a good, part of my teenage years, uh, which implies I'm not a teenager anymore, like <laughs> uh, like just killing my brain cells at, at raves. And like uh, my favorite thing to do was just to like watch people dance, like like a voyeur, yeah. you know? Um, and, and there was a period of time I was like quite sober as well. I'd just go for these things like sober and I would like uh, treat it like a marathon. I just like uh, stay till the end, yeah. like watch people dance. Um, and then like, in like the light of morning when like your body is like exhausted and stuff and you're still going like 
I saw like, you could really see like a person's like, energy, like, uh, like uh, the person's like will to keep going, like after all that stuff is like stripped away, like uh, all the performative shit that you wore to the rave, like your outfit yep. and like who you thought somebody wanted you to be and mm -hmm. like um, the tone that you were speaking with your, your friends yep. and all that stuff, like at the last few hours of the rave, like you're just like, you don't even know why you're still there and you're just yep. going like, to me, that's energy. I'm like, yeah, I can see what you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because I would imagine at a particular point in time, it's it's beyond comprehension. You're not choosing to to just exist like that. It's just when everything is done at the end of the night or in the early mornings, whatever that's left, that is the person. Yeah. Um, I remember like a Bhutto teacher once told me that like, because in, in Bhutto, it's about like finding your own dance. Like, mm. so a lot of people have maybe like uh, difficulty like knowing like the quality of their movement or like what kind of animal they are. Yep. And so they, they go for these like Bhutto workshops and things to kind of get closer to that. But she was like, you don't have that problem. Like, you know exactly what kind of animal like you are. Um, so she said, what you need now is not more of that, like knowing who you are, but you need some techniques. Mm. Like you need techniques so that you can like show people like what you are and craft performances and choreograph and yep. uh, be more specific. So uh, I, I think that's also like interesting as well that she could sense my energy like right off the bat. Yep. Yeah. It's like a superpower. Uh, yeah. And everyone has one. That's the thing. Like some people have a more like muted version of it. Some people like can project it. Like, I think for me as a performance artist, like I have to be like hyper aware of it because it's my material for my artwork. Mm. I capitalize on it. I like use it uh, for effect. Right? I use it to like have a certain like quality. And like, I mean, I also like have a lot of tattoos and stuff. And uh, like, I love my tattoo artist because like when I first like talked to him about uh, like my tattoos and stuff, I just said like, um, you're helping me. Um, carve my insights onto my outsides. That's uh, awfully poetic. <laughs> <laughs> and what was his response to that? He <laughs> was just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what, what did that phrase mean to you though? Uh, exactly like what I, exactly what it means, uh, which is like that the texture of like my being is now like on my skin and like uh I now have no excuses for um like perhaps being misunderstood. <laughs> mm. I'm or I'm trying my best not to be misunderstood. Yeah. Like I'm just like this is who I am. Yep. Yeah. You're just unapologetically yourself. Uh don't know whether unapologetically sometimes maybe I still feel like I should apologize. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. still Singaporean. At still Singaporean. Still walking. You can't through get that programming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But for the most part, like it's more like, okay, I have no choice. Like it's already uh inscribed in a way. Yeah. Um and I and that's the thing, like I feel like uh a lot of people have like a sense of something, like of who they are, like the 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 what I like to call like their baseline. Then okay. I think everyone has a baseline of energy. Mm. Perhaps it's what you wake up in the morning before like the day like 
pisses you off and uh, <laughs> you know like there's all these layers like yep. I, I think there is a baseline and you can get it through like a lot of things like maybe even sometimes like if you date someone like they just like help you forget a lot about a lot of shit and then you also get to a nice baseline mm. yeah um but like uh yeah i think like everyone has that sort of baseline energy and um like through like embodied practices not just buto like i i think i'm i i i think all sorts of movements like healthy because it helps you like recalibrate yep. like and get back to your equilibrium yeah yeah i also boulder a lot so like, what sorry i also do a lot of bouldering so like it's also very movement based and very like kinetic sport yeah it's it's way harder than buto honestly <laughs> what do you mean by that um it requires it's like um you have to climb things that are like high up and then there's like a real fear of falling you yep. know um so and and with buto you can kind of like uh, modulate it a bit better like if you don't want to continue actually that's quite telling because I'm like hmm actually in bouldering if you don't want to continue you can also stop you can just drop <laughs> you can just fall behind yeah but actually that's not true because sometimes when you get so high up on the route you can't even come down because you're too scared Damn. you know yeah. <laughs> but I don't think every, anyone's ever done sputo and like got to a state where they were like I'm too scared to to continue dancing buto. it depends on what who you meet though while dancing Mm, actually yeah no 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 i i have encountered uh people who have had similar experiences dancing buto like coming like it got too real you know like what does that like mean? shit got too real like i, uh, I don't understand that yeah um well because you know if you're in a buto like uh like a movement session or something and um you know you're connecting to like all these images and things it's it's a very like uh intimate sort yep. of like experience and so uh and and you know i mentioned like people crying all the time yep. and stuff so um you get this like intense like it gets too intense and you have to tap out mm. um or like you know like so when when the buto session ends like i have to tell uh like participants like take your time to like come out of it like drink water like don't rush out of the studio like you have to be sort of like so I think that sometimes that fear intensity can be quite like palpable. Um, and in the same way with bouldering, like when you are climbing like a certain route and then like you know that all you need is like one more move to get to like to finish. Yep. You you just like am so seized by fear that you can no longer go on. But then same as in Buto and bouldering, like if you revisit the route like over and over mm -hmm. again, like one day you will maybe finish it. So, um, yeah, I do see a lot of parallels, but I am way more afraid of bouldering than Buto. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So, on a tangent, um, curious to know about your most recent performance at Scape. Oh, the Design Orchard one? Yeah. Oh, oh my God, I love that performance so much. The next one is like tomorrow, actually. I'm curious to know what were you trying to convey with it? <laughs> a lot of things, actually. Um... But it's part of like a larger like uh, art project that I have. Like I'm currently doing like my MA in fine art at LaSalle where I'm like doing, uh, using like the year and a half to like kind of map out like a whole world. Mm. Um, so like that performance is just part of like fragments of the world. Yep. So like uh, my works, my artworks are like color coded. Mm. So like this is in the one of the red ones. So like 
the red one is kind of like a metaphor for Singapore or an allegory mm. for Singapore. So make of that what you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So like every time you encounter one of my red works and I'm hoping to like have a couple more like in the next few years or so, um, you will get like glimpses into like that universe that I'm like crafting. Um, but I don't think that the underlying narrative is that important. Mm. Um, Interesting. Like what I like to do is like sort of uh, create like this like uh, in between sort of space, like between like reality and fantasy, um, or, like activated by the body uh, and like allow for viewers uh, to have an experience that um, kind of scuts that line of like believability and like spectacle. Yeah. Like, I don't want it to be something that's dismissed, but I also don't want you to swallow it so nicely either, in a mm. way. Um, yeah, I always speak about it in vague terms, which I think is the way that I would. Kind of, I think as a movement <laughs> practitioner, like just come and watch it, like, you know, yep, then yep. like, you know, you will really get a feel, feel for it. Yep. But um, I think that what came out of like a, more of like an opportunity thing, like I didn't know that I wanted to make a work like that, mm. but uh the team like at hyphen projects like uh said that i could use like the rooftop of design orchard and initially they wanted us to like perform in like the uh, like the audience was going to sit on the staircase and then like we were going to perform at the bottom but then mm. um i decided to like subvert that and have the audience sit on the grass and the fake grass and then we would perform on the staircase yep. um and so uh the the rubric of the performance is just like, uh, we just climbed the staircase for like one hour, <laughs> which I think is like fucking funny. Um, and tiring. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is, which is great. And I, I think that for me, like the, the art of this particular work is the fact that we got to do it. Like we got a permit to climb this staircase for an hour. Um, and our rating is G. G? Yeah. Like G just like you could bring your kid for this. <laughs> like you know it's it's um like I, I like that it's for everyone yeah um and and that uh in singapore where like you know you cannot do a lot of things that like um for some reason we can throw ourselves down this staircase for one hour and mm. um and it's kind of a good time and like i don't always think my work has that level of like humor or um i think it's a bit of a spastic piece actually like in the way that we are uh, playing with the body and things but um I like to use like metaphors in my work. So like uh, the staircase, which like has a lot of like going up and going yep. down, going up and going down. Like yep. I think as anyone who's watching it, you could definitely project something onto definitely, that yeah. visual metaphor. So, you know, I'll just kind of leave it at that in terms of concept. But um, I think uh, in relationship to Buto, like I think uh, where this work has its charm for me is in its like, uh, it looks like a very simple gesture of stair climbing. Mm -hmm. Um, and also sometimes like there is like this level of like clumsiness and effort. Um, but then the dancers and I like phase in and out of like these like very controlled, like stylized movements as well. And, uh, sometimes you need a little bit of both. Like you need the ugly to be able to see like the craft. Yep. So I think for me, like my favorite moments are like when one of the dancers like, just like 
rolls down the staircase and then like picks himself up and then like busts into like a flurry of like really stylized movement and then like just like slumps down on the corner. Mm -hmm. So it's like this like whole, whole cacophony of like chaos and control. And like, I think that um, with, uh, you know, how we've not been able to like be as mobile or uh, things like because of this uh, pandemic and stuff, like it's kind of like a, it could be seen as a little bit cathartic perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So for this particular performance, you were performing with a group of dancers as well. And there's also the aspect of live music. Yeah. So yeah. How, how, how was that for you? Uh, I mean, those people, like, they're my friends. We just dance in my studio all the time. Yeah. So we didn't have, we didn't rehearse for that work at all. We, we've just been dancing together for like a year and a half. So like, they just, I was just like, yo, you want to do this? I'll split the money with you. And then like, we just, they were all like down and then we did it. Um, and then like, uh, the guitarist as well, like Rudy, uh, he used to play in like a vacant affair. Mm. Like one of the local bands, uh, I think they're still around, um, but it's been a bit quiet because of COVID. Yep. Um, but yeah, he's like a regular at my studio. So like, and I love electric guitar. Like it's one of my obsessions, like aside from Buto. Mm. Yeah. Like anyone who plays electric guitar is like my new BFF, basically. <laughs> like I love, I love it. Yeah. I, I also have an electric guitar, but I, I just like holding it. <laughs> That's fair enough. I like, just like how I look when I hold it, but I haven't quite gotten there. What color is it? It's black, yeah. Tight. Okay, full yeah. black. Uh, black and white. My friends got it for me as a birthday present. Actually, the same friends that I did the cigarette show. Yep. Yeah, the staircase piece. Yeah. Was it different uh, performing with the friends that you're so familiar with and performing solo? Like, um, I always feel alone even when I'm in a crowded thing. So we're all alone, but together. That's my favorite. Very profound. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no la, alone but together. My friends also feel the same. It's yep. like you're just like doing your own thing like every the stack is big enough for all of us you know you can like really inhabit your own like space and yep. go into your own little spiral and like uh like people who came for the show would be like oh like that guy was my favorite and i was like what about me but you know it's kind of like pick your player right like yep. like uh in like immersive theater as yep. well yep. you can only follow like one person yep so yeah i like i like that aspect of it and then like uh daryl like the other guitarist like who also plays in like another band here called forest like no, we actually go bouldering together. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was just like, yo, like, like you play guitar, right? Like, do you want to play yeah. for this? And um, I mean, think about it, like Orchard Road, like two electric guitarists on this like fucking huge staircase and then like four people like crawling around, like, wow. Like when I grew up, I didn't think I could see that kind of thing. It's quite wild. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. <laughs> a bit, like, just a bit. Um, but like, I mean, I think for me, like to make work is to just make, uh, like something that I would love to see, like come into existence, you know, just a celebration of like all the things that I love, electric guitar, like, uh, people just doing whatever the fuck they want with their bodies, yeah. like, uh, a bit of exercise. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I love a good, like cardio session, you know. It's one um, way to look at it. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, there are no rules that you have to do things properly, you know, like, even for me, like, when I made the decision to crawl down the stairs backwards, I, like, really regretted it uh, halfway through the staircase when I was on the staircase, and I just, like, stopped and was like, ah, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. like, kind of, like, <laughs> like, like, lay there for a while, you know? Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I like, I, I don't know what the implications of, like, such a work like this 
will be in the long run. But like, I think on an immediate level, like I hope that people feel like sort of liberated to like get a little bit more like, like want to move their bodies like after this, you know, like I am. And, you know, we haven't been able to like dance without masks and mm. like, you know, uh, be in public space, like unmasked and like yep. really run around and things unless, you know, you're playing soccer or something. Yep. But um, this was like, in a way, like the what was a, a gift, like, like me and my friends got to dance like unmasked to like really crazy music for one hour. Yeah. Uh, it's like a private party. It's yeah, like, yeah you know, it definitely yeah. sounds like it. Yeah, I mean, I wish that the audience were able to like take off their masks and dance mm. as well, but um, maybe in a couple months. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty fun. Like I, I didn't expect to have so much fun. Like, like I had a lot of fun laughing about it when I thought of the idea. Um, like to like when my friends were like, "What are you gonna do?" And I was like, "Just climb the staircase, uh, You know. Like, I'm I'm curious to know what was the initial idea what was the idea that, that formed the jumping off point to to do this whole thing is it because you saw the space available or is it because like a sentence you read like what was the initial genesis idea that snowballed uh, into this I mean well it's really like me from Hyphen who like reached out to me and was like uh, well first of all if, if like my favourite thing when people like ask me to like perform or like collaborate and stuff is uh, when they're pretty chill and let me do whatever I want yeah. Uh, and so May was just like, uh, oh, like you can use uh, Design Orchard. And then initially they gave us like the store. What? Okay. okay. The store downstairs. So yeah. I thought it would be really funny for my friends and I to like come crawling out of the clothing racks and, mm. and dance. But then um, they were afraid that we wouldn't, um, like nobody would shop there if we did that, <laughs> which is true. And, and I, but I thought that was the whole point. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. Um, but uh in the end they offered us the rooftop instead and then so uh like when i saw the roof i saw the staircase and then that's where the genesis of the work started because when i saw the staircase i thought it looked like um a ziggurat mm. which is like the name of the type of uh structure like mesopotamic mesopotamic structure basically it looks like aztec temple fair uh, yeah yep. um and then so it became like this running joke where i was like telling my friends like hey, like looks like the temple like um, and so I think that, uh, for me, like a lot of like my artwork sort of, um, also like pokes fun at like certain like tropes, like in Singapore, like for example, um, we like to name like our condos after like really like <laughs> grand, like things like, yeah. uh, like planets or like yep. stars and stuff like that. And so like the work ziggurat is like under like, uh, my project Antares, which is like, uh, Singapore is like a, a star that's like on the verge of death so it's like a burning star yep so like it's it's red uh so like the world of ziggurat is kind of like within that world as well and um so I the sub narrative for it is like four adventurers like trying to scale this like temple but it's like purgatory yep yeah so like a lot of my works like deal with this sort of like purgatorial uh condition and also I think reflects um perhaps like existence like living in a very enclosed sort of like uh like island sort of living where you're constantly like going in circles yep you know um like you can get from one end of singapore to another in like uh 30 minutes or something like top so um yeah i mean i had another work with like uh, my friend rudy where like we just performed on like a small wooden platform together mm -hmm. and it was about like two 
uh, my two like rugged individual like main characters like stuck on a raft together when the mm. world ended and then like uh, what happens when the world ends like do you just kind of like sit and mope around like no you just like fucking rock out play guitar like go a bit crazy like like party till the end of the world sort yeah. of energy um, but then also like you know you get pooped out and then that's kind of like <laughs> you you show that in the performance and then you start again and that's kind of like uh, I don't think I'm doing anything like too deep like it's basically I'm just repeating the same sort of thing over and over again but the narrative changes so in this case it was like four like sort of uh, intrepid explorers like scaling this like uh, big like temple but if you really look at it it's just design orchard and they didn't even close the umbrellas and stuff so you know like it's bizarre it's weird and yep. then like uh, I had my friend Brian like photograph the work and then I uh, didn't really like give him much instructions so he was also like running around yep. and then he became like part of the work as well interesting yeah because like someone was like uh, oh my god you let the photographer like run everywhere and then I was like yeah and then I was like if you kind of look at his movement like if you want to think about this within like a movement context like photographing and climbing up and down the staircase requires like a lot of like uh uh, skill in terms of like balance and Definitely. like so there was this added layer that I didn't really think about so now we joke that he's like the fifth player of like Ziggurat <laughs> you know um, and he's photographing the show again like tomorrow so I can't That's wait <laughs> I can't wait and I haven't seen the documentation yet but I'm sure it's gonna be like really fun what's, what's most fascinating to me about that is that it's unchoreographed so I could go for three three showings and it's all different yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's quite interesting. Uh, do you have a ticket? <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> oh man, I should have kept one for you. I had three yesterday. Yeah, but we just let them off. Um, well, it's I like this idea of like uh, improvisation, but I also don't like it to be like so anyhow, you know? So mm. the baseline here is that they all have to climb the staircase. Fair. Yeah, but then in between climbing the staircase, you can do whatever you want, you know? Um, and I think that's kind of like how we pass time, right? Like, in life like we have to fulfill certain like things like eat poop and make money and then in between yep. technically we can do whatever we want <laughs> but like how we do whatever we want is where the real suffering is because you kind of have to like really figure out how what you want to do with yourself yep. you know that sense of like autonomy um but it's going to be different because like um i only have one guitarist like for the the one tomorrow mm. um and then it's with like a techno duo called like dodgy self Oh, so it's different even uh, compared to the previous editions. Yeah, the costumes are different a bit. Uh, the music is different. Tomorrow is techno. Yeah. Yeah, I love like uh, sound in my artwork, like because uh, I think like sound has like a cultural sort of like connotation. Yeah. And so I like to sort of like tap into these like subcultures. And I think that these sort of events and happenings are also part of like uh, cultural creation like I'm adding to Singapore's culture <laughs> I mean everyone is right everyone just by proxy is. of like being yep. here it's just that you know I want to do it on the staircase like yep. where it's loud and yep. people can see it yep. um, but yeah tomorrow's one because it has like this like uh, techno sort of base like our movement because uh, the one for the first one the my my movement prompt was more like you have to be a bit of like a crazy like doll like a crazy crazy like uh broken doll and yep. then like uh lightning bolts like zipping through the body 
Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Because I also chose the name Ziggurat for the sonics of it. It's very like zippy, like zigzaggy. So I was just like, oh, I just want it to be a bit like jiggy. Yeah. Um, but good thing my friends know what that kind of vague like sort of thing means. I'm um, just like Did just you like z- a mood board or something. Uh, I just send like long texts <laughs> like, in a group chat that yeah. we have. Yeah. yeah. Now just be like, okay, tomorrow you just like zip zip around and then like you zip unzip yourself or like, uh, and then everyone's just like, yeah, yeah. You Same know. energy, la. Uh, yeah, and then uh, for like tomorrow's one, uh, I'm just like, okay, it's more of like uh, Jane Fonda, like exercise video kind of oh, thing, okay, with, okay. but then also like sexy rave. Like, so it kind of, uh, and, and it's nice to say this because hopefully someone will hear this after the <laughs> performance. And be like, oh, that was the prog, which was like great Singapore workout yeah. meets like warehouse rave sort of <laughs> vibe. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be fun. And I think we just like, like the fact that we got paid to yeah. act like monkeys. You know? like it's really like... <laughs> not, not everyone can say that. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, when I was like pressured to get a job and be an upstanding citizen that I would uh, imagine my life playing out like this where I could just like uh, do weird stuff on like a gigantic staircase, you know. You said it yourself. I mean, yeah. there are key key points in life and everything in between is anyone's guess. Yeah, yeah. and And sometimes you have to really like uh, make a bid for like what you want those key points to be. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think for me, like art helps with that. Uh, it's a con you can get away with anything. Definitely. I think yeah. I have one last question before we close the episode. Um, What motivates you to continue doing what you're doing? Uh, fun. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's fun. Uh, I get to do it with my friends. In uh, every sense of the word. Uh, I must have fun. Yeah, I think it's like important to me. Even like Budo, which is difficult, is still fun for me. Um, I I enjoy the effort. Like I enjoy like the rigor of it. And uh, it's funny because like I was talking to someone recently about how like um, I only recently learned what it meant to like learn things like genuinely. Um, Could you help me understand that? <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I mean, like, just like spewing like all sorts of strange phrases that I have to unpack. But, uh, That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, well, it, thanks for giving me time to do that, though. Um, uh, but basically, like, I, I think when I was uh, growing up here, like, every time I had to learn something like math or chemistry, it was like someone like hit me over the head with a textbook and was like, please absorb this. Yep. Um, but then, like, when I got interested in Buto, like, I, I just read fucking everything and nobody had to tell me to do it and mm. I can give you the whole spiel of like Bhutto history yep. and like all the founders and stuff and I didn't study for that. It's just like, I just think it's cool it's in my head, you know, uh, and maybe I got some stuff wrong but like, you know, it's it's there and like there's this very like sort of natural like inquiry like the same way that my friends like dance at my studio. It's like nobody forced them to come. They just kept showing up and then mm-hmm. that's how it became a thing mm. Um, and like I think uh, that's that's maybe like uh a way to make life more tolerable. You just keep showing up for the stuff that you like. You know, yeah. Sounds like a very strong uh guiding principle mm. or guiding perspective. Yeah, and I think it's reinforced by the enjoyment of it. You know, it's not like I'm like, oh, this is a noble pursuit, and so I must uh, stick to it. It's more like I'm like, man, like nobody's paying me to do this. Like I'd still do it anyway. Mm. And also when I wake up, I, I want to go do it, you know? Uh, and uh, when I want to do something, like I can't really <laughs> not do it also. Yeah. 
<laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Let's not unpack that one. Let's save that for uh, maybe after the podcast. <laughs> okay, in yeah. closing, where can people find you? Can they find you online? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess mostly like Instagram, even though like my personal one is just like memes, but you <laughs> can <good> like, <laughs> uh, you can probably like find my uh, studio's Instagram, like Steel Raga with like two E's. Um, or I don't know if you Google something, it'll, it'll come up. But yeah, mostly just Instagram. Um, that's also where like I promote like most of the shows and like our studio happenings and stuff. Yeah. One last question. Do you imagine there to be more brutal performances in Singapore in the future? Yes. And I hope like not just by me, it's a lot to carry. <laughs> and also I, <laughs> I'm not that interesting. Like if I keep performing like back to back, I just do the same shit all the time. I need some time to grow. Yep. yep. So it would be nice to like have other not even Bhutto, just like movement practitioners like come out of the woodwork. But I mean, there are, and and I mean, there's a really strong like dance community here as well, like contemporary dance mm. and things. But um, but I think it's also really like uh, the pandemic has made it difficult for there to be live shows. Yep. So I think um, anyone who was maybe on like a good trajectory or momentum of performance might uh, feel a little bit shy about uh, going back into the limelight again because it does take a certain amount of like uh, you know getting used to it and mm. like training and, yep. and things like that um, but I, I want to see like somebody else's butola aside from mine mm. yeah it gets pretty boring <laughs> it's just me yeah <laughs> so you can bounce energy off each other right uh, yes and also like uh, I mean I, I love butto like it's not enough for me to like see it uh, it's like how musicians need to listen to like a lot of music, you know, like to be inspired. Um, I'm the same, like I, I, but I think that's why it's, I've been really lucky because like, um, my teacher Evangeline or like, uh, I think other like members of like the Bhutto community, like overseas, like they have like online performances mm. or, um, I'm going to New York for like the Bhutto festival, Tight. uh, in June. So, yeah. um, there's still stuff like happening around the world, um. But yeah, I I think in Singapore, it's still kind of like a little bit, um, perhaps like not so well known. And mm -hmm. also like, um, I think Bhutto in Malay also means like, it. I think it means like, uh, it's like not, it's like a bad word or something. Someone told me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like um, people I, like mistake it for that or something. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I, I think I can only like really... Uh, talk about it from like a place of like love and enthusiasm and then like hope that uh, other people just like uh, resonate with it in some way yeah that is beautiful um thank you for your time this has been a fantastic conversation thank you <laughs> thanks so much yeah. thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired if you enjoyed what you heard thus far do give us a follow on instagram and don't forget to share and subscribe stay tuned for the next episode